Thanks for tuning in to Leesburg Daily, a Monday through Friday podcast where we dive into scripture, study it together, and we apply it to our lives. Uh, we continue today in our study in 1 Timothy. Uh, today we pick up in verse 12. And, and it's not really surprising that this section uh, appears to be a, um, a wild thought from Paul. Not wild, wild in the sense of uh, 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 content, but a, a, a digression from the conversation that he's been having with Timothy. Consider with me for just a minute. Uh, Paul had been instructing Timothy about the goodness of the law for those who are lawful and those who use it lawfully. And, and he talked about the terrible things that mankind finds themselves doing. Um, and it's all according um, all these things that are being taught and practiced uh, are opposed to the gospel according to the glorious uh, I'm sorry according to the glorious gospel he calls it of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted and so that thought now of the gospel of God being entrusted to Paul causes him to digress into a a time of introspective praise of of sorts. Now, a fascinating passage, uh, an encouraging pas- passage for you and I. Uh, follow along with me in verse 12. Paul writes, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord because he has strengthened me, because he considered me faithful, putting me into service. Let's pause there and look at a few of those words that stand out to me as I read. He says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord. He starts to now digress into this section after considering the gospel of the blessed God that's been entrusted to him. And he's thankful for that gospel. And he says that Jesus, the Lord, his Lord, our Lord, has strengthened me, he says. Now, the, the idea of strengthening there in in um, most manuscripts, uh, it is, as I just read it in English, a past tense, uh, something that Christ has done, uh, had done to Paul. And so he had strengthened him. Uh, that, that could be a, a singular point in time, consider for just a moment, a time when your life is changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ and you are strengthened to live a new way, uh, to see life in a new picture, a, 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 a new framework. So there are some manuscripts where where it is, um, he has strengthened past tense, uh, but there are also some manuscripts where uh, it's translated, he is strengthening me. And I think both, there's a lot of truth to both. Not only does God strengthen us at a time, he strengthens us day by day. Praise be to God. He has strengthened me, past tense and perhaps consistently. I don't know what Paul had in mind, but both uh, fit the narrative of Scripture overall. He has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, putting me into service. Now this is an interesting, uh, an interesting phrase here. He considered me faithful. Uh, Paul, his, remin- his reminiscence here leads him to consider his 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 prior 
pre-Christian state of living. His reflections on Christ's enabling power only are magnified by his true unworthiness. But Paul says he put me in, he considered me faithful putting me into service. Even though in verse 13, even though I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent aggressor. I mean, consider the grace of God and the magnitude of God's grace, considering the past of Saul of Tarsus. His pre-Christian state highlights God's faithfulness. Paul is quite self-condemning here in his description of himself as a blasphemer and prosecutor. And a persecutor, he, he, he must. Uh, they must be seen as exactly what they are. Paul's not being tongue in cheek here. He's not. Um, you know, sometimes we'll be hard on ourselves, hoping someone else is like, "Oh no, don't be too hard on himself." No, let's be perfectly hard on Saul, because uh, I think that's exactly what he intended. He's not pulling punches here, and, and nor should we. That should be given the full force here. When he adds that he was a violent man, he's no doubt thinking of the, the times he, he hounded the Christians out of their homes and, 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 and violence and threw them into jail, overseeing their executions. Yet such a man was shown mercy. Look there again. In verse 13, yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. You know, there's a there's a difference. Consider the the act of um, the act of willful ignorance. That would be talked about, for example, in Romans 10. Um, let's see, Romans 10:3. Paul writes, for being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own power, they did not submit to God's righteousness. There's a there's a willful ignorance that increases guilt. But Paul's ignorance was linked with a pure conscience. Later on in 2 Timothy chapter uh, uh, 1, verse 3, he'll say, I thank God whom I serve as I did, as did my ancestors with a clear conscience as I remember you constantly in my prayers every night. See, this is this is different. His ignorance was, was tied to his unbelief. His misguided pre-Christian career had been the object of pity from God rather, you know, rather than the, the, the object of judgment in the sight of God. God recognized Saul of Tarsus as a mighty servant or a servant with with mighty potential when he was enlightened to the truth. And so God, or Paul, praises God for that. Of course, Paul can't speak for long without speaking of the grace of God. Verse 14, And the grace of our Lord was more than abundant with the faith and love that are found in Christ Jesus. What a fantastic 
verse there, the grace of our Lord was more than abundant with the faith and love that are found in Christ. For him, this grace is not just an abstract con- concept, but it's it's a formative force in developing him into the man that he is today. It, it, it drives his thought, it drives his action. Recall the words of Paul in Romans chapter 5. Now the law came in to increase the trespasses, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. In both cases, the verbs used here are compounded with the preposition hyper in an attempt to express the superabundance of divine grace. The grace of our Lord was more than abundant, superabundant, hyperabundant, along with the faith and love that are found in Christ Jesus, are found in Jesus. Do you have faith? Well, not, not unless you've found Jesus. Is there true love? You have, can you have true love for others apart from Jesus? I, I, I don't believe so. Love and faith are found in Jesus, and they are they are given and received by grace. Verse fifteen takes a turn, and he says. Uh, here's a trustworthy statement, a, a phrase that he's going to use several times in these pastorals, in, in, in the, the letters to Timothy, for example. It, it, here's a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance. It, it, so let's point out what this is. This is an, it appears to be an early Christian creed or saying, a phrase that would have been used among the Christians. Uh, so someone else probably crafted these words. Uh, some say it was it's John who had crafted these words. Um, uh, but here's a, a Christian creed that he now cites. And here, and here it is. He, he says, here's a trustworthy statement that deserves full acceptance. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. There's the creed among whom I am the foremost of all. Paul cites this Christian creed, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. His mission, his purpose was to save sinners. And then Paul tags, among whom I am the foremost of all. The the word there is chief. I am the worst of all. I am the, 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 the most sinful of all. Yet for this reason, in verse 16, I found mercy, so that in me as the foremost, or as the chief, Christ Jesus might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. The, the reason that Jesus, that Paul was found, uh, found mercy was that so that he could be an example, that Christ might demonstrate his patience in the abundance of his grace to people like you and me. Paul ends this section with a little uh, doxology, a, a little worship of God. Now to the king, eternal, immortal, 
invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. What an interesting passage and an encouraging passage for you and for I. You know, there are so many days where I, I feel like such a failure in this life. I feel like such a, a, a worthless uh, person. But I read the words of Paul here, and they don't excuse my worthlessness, but encourage me to live better, to be better. I read the words of Paul here, and I'm encouraged and reminded of the grace that God has, the grace and the faith and love that are found in Jesus. I'm reminded of those things, and they serve as motivators to live better, to live according to my calling, to, to live faithful in the service of God. They encourage me. You know, a man and I were talking last night. She's made a, she's got a new friend here recently. And this new friend is a new Christian, uh, brand new to the faith. Um, you know, long story, but this this lady has been uh, basically eating her Bible. She's just been just reading and reading and reading and reading and reading and taking it so seriously. Not only that, her life has changed in such a drastic way. Of course, we didn't know her prior. At least I didn't know her prior. I'm, I'm not quite sure if Amanda did or not, but um, the way she recalls her former life and her life that now that she's in Christ, or, or really it is a, a, a appalling uh, picture. Her life has changed. She, she made the comment relayed through my wife. She said, I... I, I I'm serious about sin. I don't want to sin. I have no desire to sin. The way that Jesus has changed her life has changed, is is changing her marriage. Her husband plans to attend church, not because he has some faith, but because he's seen a change in her that's so drastic. He's now saying, well, maybe there's something to this Jesus thing. What we see in Paul's example and the failed example that I just shared with you, and even my example, we see God's grace poured out, changing lives in a drastic way. And so as we finish today, there's a challenge. Does your life need to change? If so, God is able and willing to provide you the grace needed to change. But that's going to take a step on your part. There's no more room to act in willing ignorance of the truth. It's time to act in accordance with the gospel of truth. And so God gives you all that you have necessary to combat, to change, to live a new life. The question is, are we willing to step up to the plate? Consider that today. Consider that today. What area of your life needs an overflow, an outpouring of God's grace? Thanks so much for listening today. Thanks for tuning in. Join us tomorrow as we pick up in verse 18. God bless. Take care. And thanks for listening to the Leesburg Daily.